Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. The show website is nhte.net and has lots from all episodes, plus links to social media and podcast listening platforms. With regards to the e-newsletter, do check your spam or your junk folder to see if there are one or more emails from me that you have not seen and move them to the inbox, whitelist my address, approve me as a sender, whatever. It's only once a week, but I do want to ensure that you're getting what I'm sending out each Wednesday. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Connecticut, my guests both have hearty music careers that have converged to work together. She is a singer, songwriter, producer, and guitar player who has toured with four-time Grammy winner Gary Clark Jr. She has gotten airplay on Sirius XM, performed with Carlos Santana, and accompanied Gwen Stefani for NBC's New Year's Eve special and Christmas in Rockefeller Center special. She also counts Ronnie Spector among her personal mentors. He is a drummer who has toured nationwide and internationally. Since the pandemic, he has been the in-house drum tech and has been playing on sessions at a studio there in Connecticut. He also operates a home studio, is an educator, and last fall started his own shop called Music Box Vintage. You've been hearing one of her songs, which he played drums on, called 2020. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Fiona Silver and Brian Duke. Hey, hey thanks for having us. Hi folks, glad to do this. Thanks for making time to be on the show. Definitely. Thank you. There is definitely a lot of ground to cover on this week's episode, but let's start off first, of course, by having you talk about the song that was just playing during the intro called 2020. Yeah, um, so 2020 is pretty obviously about (laughs) 2020, the year, which was um, definitely unique. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we, we, Brian and I met here at, we're at Carriage House Studios, and um, that's where we recorded this song. And I wanted to, I wrote it here too, and, and I wanted to make something to reflect the moment that we were in. And that's part of why it's a much heavier sound than some of my other music. Um, Cause I just wanted to create something that matched the moment, at least from whatever my lens is, you know? At what point in time did you write it, Fiona? Because I'm thinking of how long the darn pandemic dragged on and Let's face it, we were all, you know, maybe three, four months into it, and it was something that we were so not accustomed to that I could see a songwriter conceivably saying, there's a song in this only three or four minutes into it, but if you tell me I wrote it in December, Bruce, I'd say, yeah, that makes sense too. Um, I wrote it, I believe, last June, and I think we recorded it in July maybe, so somewhere between June and July. Okay, okay. So you started to allude to this, Fiona, but Brian, let's get something clarified here first. About a month and a half ago, I had been told 
that you were or are living in a recording studio. So the logical questions are, is that true? <laughs> if so, how did that come to be? And for that matter, is it totally cool or are there actually any drawbacks? <laughs> so, yeah, um, we've actually, we uh, we arrived here uh, pretty early uh, in the pandemic. And um, I'm good friends with the owner of the studio, Johnny Montanese. And he, uh, I was on the phone with him and he was like, Hey man, like they kind of had to close down for a little while. So he invited me and my brother to come out and we, uh, we just kind of set up shop and we're, uh, using the space to create, uh, while the world kind of was shut down. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're still here um me and fiona are still literally upstairs above this amazing recording studio wow. and uh it's pretty great so when you say you were on the phone and he said this is what's happening and you and your brother decided let's go there you were going there from where from somewhere in new york state i'm guessing in uh we live in brooklyn so my brother kyle is uh he's back in brooklyn now um and he uh, he's running the uh, the studio there uh, out of our uh, apartment in Bushwick. Um, he was up with us for the first probably month and a half to two months uh, in 2020. And so is Carriage House Studios closed still all this time? And so that's how you kind of have the freedom to, to live there and work on your own projects, or have they reopened? No, Carriage House has... Um, thankfully been able to reopen in like a kind of limited capacity. Um, fortunately the space is large enough that, uh, we can like offer socially distanced sessions for full bands, uh, which is something really awesome. Um, and because of that, we actually get a lot of bands coming in from, uh, from the city since a lot of the studios there are a little smaller. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see that in my head. That makes a lot of sense. You're you're doing a good job of painting a picture there because that certainly would be a problem for the smaller places that you're referring to. Luckily, also, aside from the studio just being really large, like the space that we have been residing in is separate. It's upstairs. And so um, we can be totally separate from people in the studio if you know, there's a session in and oh. they want privacy or whatever. Like it doesn't um, affect us really at all, but I still live in the city and have my place there, but it's just been so cool being here that I prefer to spend my time here right now. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to re-ask the question, is it totally cool or are there actually any drawbacks of living at the studio? I don't think there are. What do you, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Um, no, it's, I guess, uh, a drawback could be if, uh, if we've had a long day and we're trying to go to sleep and there's a, a session that's raging into the night, we do get a little bit of bleed, <laughs> but you know, we're, we're used to living in, in the city and, uh, mm. you know, the city never sleeps. So right. <laughs> Good it, point. it's funny. It's like you, it's kind of that vibe here. So. It, it's, it really feels like home. Well, and I was going to say the only potential drawback that I would see is that if you're someone 
who just loves to work all the time, it's too easy to say, you know what, I'm going to go back downstairs, you know, say this is after dinner, for example, and continue working. Mm. It's like people that work from home. It's really difficult to not work when your place of business is the same place that you reside. So I can see that happening. But at the same time, come on, you know, you're making music. <laughs> yeah. So that's actually interesting. Um, during when I first arrived, we really didn't think we were going to be here for that long, maybe a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, and because of that, uh, we were really trying to just crank out as much as we could, like you were saying. So we would, um, we were probably. And making, there were no sessions at that there time. Were, yeah, that was there before was, I even came. This is pre Fiona. Um, they're literally like, you know, we were just set up for, just indefinitely and we were trying to get as much done as we possibly could so we were playing probably six to eight hours a day Mm. uh, recording a lot of that writing music me my brother kyle duke and then um our other buddy guy fumarelli who's an amazing guitar player and uh, songwriter so uh, me and guy had just started a, a project a writing project and we were you know, jamming and and writing all this music. And uh, maybe a week and a half in, the uh, the owner, Johnny, came over. He's like, hey, like, I'm a little worried you guys are going to burn out. Mm. Because, you know, he's been in the business for over 40 years, and he really knows musicians. And he's like, he was concerned that we were doing too much. Yeah. So... After that, we kind of uh, like limited our work hours and our studio time so that we wouldn't burn out. Okay, okay. Well, Fiona, you can help paint the picture a little further here if you would share with the audience how you and Brian came to know each other and started working together. Yeah, so it's funny. Uh, Guy is actually the key there. So Guy is my guitarist. And uh, like Brian said, they had just met and just started jamming together and writing. So Guy came to the studio. And of course, Guy's like a brother to me. You know, we've toured together. We've been in a band together for a few years now. And um, I immediately was like, what? You're in a studio? And like, I'm at my mom's house? Like, I was going to go to, you know? (laughs) So I was super jealous at first. I was like, this is crazy. I want to go to the studio. And then uh, luckily I got the okay from the owner to come because, again, I mean, I think it's funny now at this point in after having COVID be just normal life for over a year, it's almost easy to forget how jarring it was in the beginning and how freaked out everybody was, you know, and like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I had I had gone uh, to hang at my mom's house for a little bit and just get out of the city and um, and then yeah, I came because Guy invited me and I was like, cool. I'll, I you know I had, didn't know Brian or his brother Kyle. I didn't know the studio or anything else. I just knew my guitar player was there and I was coming to jam and make some music. (laughs) And, uh, and, and same, like I only thought I was going to be here for like a week, maybe two, if I were lucky, you Mm. know? And now it's almost a year later and 
the studio owners are like family and Brian and I are together and it's uh, my dog's happy here. He's like got <laughs> little dog friends and it's wild, you know, but, um, but yeah, guy's the key. And, and he uh, helped write 2020 and he has an epic solo on, <laughs> on that song. <laughs> So, yeah, he was a big part of helping to create that sound. Um, and and the cool thing also about being here when we wrote it and, and recorded it was that unlike most of our situations in Brooklyn or, you know, in the city where we're super limited on funds and space and time, there was just an abundance of huge amps and gear and things to experiment with. And he used like a splitter so that um, he got like a really heavy bass end sound out of his guitar coming through a separate amp from, uh, you know, the mids and highs and really just like had fun kind of doing stuff that we hadn't done before. So good. So good. I, I really enjoy hearing positive stories that came out of the pandemic. And for those of you that have been listening to the show regularly and or reading my weekly blog, I honestly am very much a glass half full person. I'm always very positive. And when I write in my blog or if I say something on this podcast that seems like, well, Bruce, I really had you painted as a negative Nancy, you know, kind of gloom and doom, woe is me. That's not the case at all. <laughs> Unfortunately, the reality of the pandemic was there was so much bad that came from it. But my hat does go off to the artists that said, okay, this is simply an opportunity for me to pivot. And how can I still thrive in this different environment that I'm going to have to function in indefinitely? So there are a lot of artists out there that do have victories that they have talked about, wins that came during the pandemic. And the story that we're hearing Fiona tell is just the latest one. So that's really good to hear. Obviously, we can all say that technically it's not even over still. And here we are in, in April of 2021. In fact, before we get too deep into other topics, there's something really cool that the two of you were a part of at the beginning of last month. Talk to me about the live stream charity fundraiser called Save the Scene New York City that the two of you performed as a part of, because this was a real important initiative. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Brian, you want to? Yeah, so um, you, you we're talking about Save the Scene NYC, which was a live stream event to benefit New York City independent uh, music venues. And it um, it's actually another uh, band that I work with and uh, perform with this band uh, out of Brooklyn called Pan Arcadia. They got together and they were like, hey, these venues that they love are shutting down left and right. And, you know, musicians are having a really hard time paying their medical bills and all this other horrible stuff. So the guys got together and they said, let's do something about it. They reached out to the Sweet Relief Musicians Fund and a few other uh, organizations, and they put together this event called Save the Scene NYC, um, and we ended up raising a lot of money that is going to and may have already benefited uh, 
small venues and independent artists. That's awesome. Yeah, and just to say, Sweet Relief Musicians Fund is um, an organization that like helps musicians who can't afford to pay their medical bills and stuff. So, you know, obviously a super important thing, especially during COVID, but honestly, all the time, like musicians, unless you're in the very lucky small percentile of like super successful people, um, you know, there's tons of just hardworking people out there who don't have the kind of benefits that other jobs might provide. And, um, and it's really important that these organizations exist to help, um, you know, music cares is another one. There's, you know, there's a few out there, but, uh, obviously the more awareness and the more people just pitching in the better. Yeah. And I'm glad that Fiona mentioned music cares because, I'm going to put a link on the show page for this episode at nhte.net to a past episode of Now Hear This Entertainment when I did an interview with someone from Music Cares, and it's a great program that the Recording Academy has, and as Fiona is saying, there's a lot more out there, but just for the benefit of those who are listening right now that are in the music business, and it doesn't just mean that you have to be a performer, but if you have some real grave situation, whether it's financial, whether it's medical, whether it's whatever it is, there was a really nice job done on that episode of describing exactly what Music Cares is, how people can benefit from it, etc. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that. And hats off to the two of you and everyone else who was involved with Save the Scene NYC, because as I said, there can't be enough of those kind of events. In fact, that was done where the two of you are now. And, and besides that live stream performance for Save the Scene NYC, Fiona, you also did two music videos at Carriage House Studios, which listeners, they're both on Fiona's official YouTube channel. I'll tell you what, they are both so well done that I can't imagine how they were shot at a recording studio. In particular, <laughs> the cover of Love Potion Number no. 9 looked like it was a lot of fun to make. And in five months, has what will soon be 15,000 views on it. Talk about making those two videos. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, the videos are really different. So, and it's funny because that's kind of one of the, one of the other creative joys I have is, and I guess that could be totally related to music. It could be really related to any art form. Is like the idea to me of sort of creating a whole world for someone to step into, right? Um, and so with 2020, we turned the studio, which normally has this gorgeous wood, um, we covered it all in black fabric and we brought in some like cool old lights and we built a stage and um, like got a fog machine and <laughs> just made it super... Um, I don't even know the word, but <laughs> it's, it's, you would never know it's, it's in the studio. Um, and, and a lot of that video, that's the part of it that isn't the band playing live is footage that is both found footage and stuff that I recorded like on my phone just around the city and wow. from walking in protests for Black Lives Matter and wow. um, you know and I wanted to really again like the song was one level of 
participating in reflecting on the year, but the video was really another level of it because I think a lot more was said visually that wasn't said yeah. through the lyrics and um, or at like as pointedly, you know. Um, so that was really cool to be able to execute that. And then uh, also my bass player, uh, Steve Salerno, is a video editor, so he helped me like edit that and create that, which is really cool. Uh-huh. Um, and for Love Push number nine, that was like a whole, that was like 180 flip. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember, I, I think we woke up one morning and, you know, this must have been, I don't know, way before Halloween. And Fiona's like, you know what, like, I want to do like a Halloween video, mm. you know, something fun. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, uh, I'll, uh, like, let me know when you're ready and like, I'll, uh, I'll, film you on my phone <laughs> and you said this was way before halloween yeah this was way before halloween i love halloween it's my favorite holiday yeah. <laughs> so i'm ready for halloween at all so times. so so brian on the one hand it's like it's way before halloween i didn't see that coming on the other hand it's wait a minute she loves halloween i totally saw this coming <laughs> i know i know right yeah so i was like okay this would be cool and like we have all this time and like it's no big deal at all and I remember, you know, a few weeks later, me and Fiona had set up downstairs and we were just kind of like working on it. And I remember Johnny walked through the live room, Johnny, the owner of the studio, and he, he kind of popped his head in and he's like, hey, like, you guys are playing Love Potion. That's awesome. And then Fiona tells him that we're doing the video and he's like, oh, awesome. And the next day, he's like, he comes in, and he's like, okay, so we're going to do this whole big production. Mm. And it, it just it went from zero to 100. Wow. And at that point, we were a lot closer to Halloween. And um, I'll, let, I'll let Fiona tell you about that whole process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I don't even remember. I remember us jamming on it and being like, I love, like, well, I love a lot of different kinds of music, but I'm really maybe like a secret love of mine is 50s and 60s like doo-wop and old school pop music and so you know this song is from I think 59 maybe Um, and it's just a great it's just a great tune and I thought oh this is kind of cute and Johnny is from that era he he was like oh my god I re- like I remember this song and so he got really excited about it which was just a cute coincidence that um he connected in that way and so he decided to be fun to bring in a friend of the studio who's worked here before which is Dennis Dunaway and Dennis is a founding member of the Alice Cooper band and Dennis, like, I mean, classic Alice Cooper, you know, you just get all the visuals there. Also loves Halloween. And, <laughs> <Big surprise. laughs> yeah. And so it was really cool. He came in and he recorded the song with us. And then after we did the recording, we started planning the video. And, you know, it was just really fun. And I think the other sort of uh, it's funny, these these two songs, 2020 and Love Potion, they're like foil characters of each other because while 2020 is really heavy and real and all this stuff, you know, reflecting on the moment, I wanted Love Potion to be the complete opposite where I said, you know what, mm. it has been really real. <laughs> People want to break from reality, you know, like I want to. I want to have fun. I want to do something that lets people escape for a minute and just 
kind of bring some levity to this time and um and I feel like it was such a gift that we were able to do that and to create this whole little story through the video. And I'm glad that you shared all that, Fiona, because as you were building up to this, I told myself, I need to ask her, for the benefit of the listeners who are aspiring performers themselves and saying, there is a real trend with covering older songs, but I think older songs has been defined as, I'm going to do this song from the 90s, or oh, I'm going to throw it way back and do a song from the 80s, <laughs> and here you are doing a song from 1959, yeah. and so you did a great job of describing, well, you know, I do kind of have this side of me that just loves music from the 50s and 60s, and then I love the idea of this was something fun and loose that was going to be the polar opposite of what 2020 is. So those of you who are listening, who are aspiring performers, take notes on that because that is a good, because Fiona, I imagine that just taking it on the surface and saying, you know, I want to find an old song to redo is is probably not easy in itself. And, and by the way, I should also mention that, you know, you took it one step further and put your own Fiona Silver treatment on it. I, I like the way you performed the song, which is still keeping in the style, so to speak, of the way it was originally done, kind of making sure that, okay, you know, this was a, a hit, so I don't want to mess with it too much. At the same time, I want to make it my own. Right. Yeah, it's a delicate balance with covers, for sure. I, I think you have to make it your own. Otherwise, why do it at all? You know what I mean? Like, the song already exists. So if you can't bring something different to it, then it's probably not the song for you. And if you don't bring something different to it, you're essentially doing karaoke. Because if you yeah. think about it, karaoke, you don't have the opportunity to do something different other than the way it was originally recorded. So here it is. You're saying, okay, I'm going to do Love Potion Number 9 or whatever song you pick. And you say, but I'm not confined to the original track. So I love the way you're saying that. Like, all right, this is my invitation to do something that is me on it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Fiona, you mentioned that you had Dennis Dunaway of Alice Cooper on the Love Potion Number no. 9 cover. Plus, back in the intro, I mentioned that you toured with Gary Clark Jr., you performed with Carlos Santana, you accompanied Gwen Stefani. I know there are aspiring performers listening right now who are wondering, how does she get all these opportunities with these really well-known names? Well, um... <laughs> Uh, in a way, it's random. Some are connected. I performed with Carlos Santana only because I was opening up for Gary Clark Jr. We had done. I went on tour with him, and then we did a we did a bunch of different things um, together, which I'm so grateful for. He's an incredible musician and human being, and um, you know, it's kind of rare in the industry that an independent artist like myself get an opportunity like that because there's a lot of red tape between agencies and labels and whatnot. And um, I'm totally independent. I don't have a booking agent, mm. but I booked my own tour uh, back in 2017. I released my first record called little thunder. And I asked a musician friend of mine who did his own DIY tours if he would help me figure it out because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and he did. And um, and so I booked this tour. And it's a, it's kind of funny how it came about. Um, 
I'll give you a little backstory. I used to work in a nightclub in Chinatown called Santos Party House. Okay. And one of the owners of Santos Party House is a rock star named Andrew W.K. Um, Andrew W.K., some people might not know him, but he was famous for this song called Party Hard, and he has a real, like, serious cult following. So as I was booking the DIY tour, I, you know, did what... I learned to do, um, and this is a good tip for anyone out there who's trying to figure this out for themselves, is like, I looked at the tour schedules of other bands that I knew. And so I looked at his tour schedule and I realized that we were going to line up in Austin, Texas. Mm. And so I reached out to Andrew and I asked him if I could be his opening act for uh, one night in Texas. And he said yes. And um that was an incredible show and afterwards you know me and the bandmates were flying high and we went down the street you know this is in austin texas to this little dive bar that b barely there was almost no one in this place uh except Terry clark jr <laughs> and, <laughs> and so uh that's how i met gary and Crazy. we became friends and Crazy. uh then i asked him if I could open up for him and I mm. sent him I had just recorded this blues song uh called Thunder and Lightning that I did down in Memphis and uh it just worked out he was into it and he was like yeah wow. and uh and wow. then he put me on tour and then you know we had fun on tour so he brought me back again and we did four sold out shows at the Fillmore West in San Francisco mm. and on the last night he told me, don't tell anybody, but Carlos Santana is going to come as like a surprise ah. guest. So Santana saw my band opening up the show and came backstage afterwards and was incredibly supportive and mm. super cool. And I mean, I was blown away, to be honest, about how uh, giving he was and, and how cool he was uh, with his energy and just kind of like had that guru vibe <laughs> and um and then he yeah he invited me when he went up to jam with gary he was like fiona where you at get on stage wow. and i was wow. so nervous <laughs> wow <laughs> but i went on stage and it was great you know fantastic wow what a great story what a great story and listeners fiona said some of it's really kind of random the way that she's gotten these opportunities. And so if you think about her and her band walk into this place to get a bite to eat, and the only guy in there is Gary Clark Jr., yeah, that's random. But the part that's not random is her having the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to be bold, I'm going to talk to him, and as the conversation goes along and we hit it off, I'm going to quote-unquote ask for the sale. And so all of a sudden, here she is getting the opportunity to open for him because she had done the right thing the first time and asked for that first opener slot that even put her there in the first place so hats off to you fiona <laughs> great story and 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 i love i love the the initiative on your part thanks yeah you're so right like it's really scary in the beginning when you're new and you don't know what you're doing and uh you know like anything i think the beginning is always the hardest and just putting yourself out there and doing the shows and going on tour and just just being down for the experience you know one of the most valuable things is like a friend of mine we always tell each other like just ask yeah because 
the worst that can happen is you say no, and that's exactly what would have happened if you didn't ask anyway. So. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm in my head. I'm thinking, oh, tell everybody the story about, and I'm thinking, no, this episode, the, the episode would go way too long if I told some of the stories that I have. But it, it's exactly that. It's the worst that can happen is they say no, but I, I will just tease it and say that. It's the follow through that's equally as important. You ask and someone says, mm. sure, and then the pressure's on you. Then you need to do what you need to do to mm. to make happen, you know, the the opportunity that's being extended to you. This is this is great stuff. I'm, I'm joined today on the Now Here This Entertainment guest line from Connecticut by singer, songwriter, producer, and guitar player Fiona Silver and drummer and educator Brian Duke. There is lots to see online from the two of them. One website is fionasilver.com, which I will put a link to from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on her website, you will see links to follow Fiona on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. She is on Twitter as well, and while you can follow her on Spotify, the better way to support Fiona is by purchasing her music through iTunes or Bandcamp. There are links for both of those on her website as well. For Brian Duke, I am going to put a link on the show page for this episode to his official Instagram account. Once you land there, you will also see a link to the Instagram account that he has for Music Box Vintage, which is his shop that I'm going to have him talk about shortly. In addition, see Brian and Fiona perform in the video from the Save the City NYC live stream that we talked about. I will post the link to that as well so you can watch it on Facebook. Meanwhile, please remember that I am here to help, folks. If you have or if someone you know has questions, you or they need help with your or their music career, or even with podcasting, I do offer private one-on-one video consultations. My company, Now Hear This Incorporated, has been working with artists on their music careers for over 15 years. In fact, there are articles on the homepage of the website about the two newest clients, And, of course, I've been doing this podcast every week for more than seven years now. Go to nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, nowhearthis.biz, to not only read about those two newest clients, but for the article titled, Video Consultations Now Available, and then use the link in there to get a personal session scheduled with me. Brian, before all that, I was asking Fiona how she gets all the opportunities that I had named back in the intro. You have worked with quite a number of artists yourself, from a band called Kale and the Gravity Well to guitar virtuoso Roger Filgate, who is a former member of Wishbone Ash, plus Jessica Lynn, who has actually been on this show twice. And a year ago, you started working with a band from Brooklyn that you mentioned earlier called Pan Arcadia. And, of course, you even perform live with your brother, Kyle. So, similar question. How do you manage to stay so busy and always have so much work? Well, it's um, it's the hustle. You know, everyone talks about the hustle. And networking has always come very easily to me. And I really enjoy making connections, uh, whether it be for myself or for other people. Um, I just, it, it's super satisfying when you're able to, to be that cog that initiates something. So I'm just always trying to kind of like connect the dots or like put pieces together. And I'm always paying attention 
and trying to listen and learn from any situation that I find myself in. So whether that be hanging out at the, uh, at the hang after a show or being at a studio session or, or just hanging out with a group of friends, I'm, I'm always kind of like, uh, taking note on what, what is happening and seeing if I can make connections of some sort. And that I kind of attribute to my ability to keep busy and actually, you know, stay afloat in this industry right now. It's such a, as, as everyone knows, it's, it's such a, a crazy volatile industry. It's really, it's difficult to hang in there, but if you really apply yourself and you look for the opportunities, things will come eventually. Yeah, and for those listening who have been with me for a while, you're probably saying, oh boy, Bruce is probably just grinning from ear to ear and just lapping this up because <laughs> you know that I'm always preaching about the value of networking, the fact that you can never have too many contacts. And there is something to be said, Brian, for the approach that you're describing because there are the artists out there who are just so in your face that are always looking to tell you about themselves and promote themselves and hand you some sort of CD or promotional item or whatever it is versus someone like yourself that, yeah, everybody's always looking for work, but you're also saying there's something new to be learned every day, as the saying goes, and so I'm going to kind of be a sponge and I'm going to shake hands and meet a lot of people, but I'm also going to listen more than I talk, which is hugely important. Yes, listening is huge, and um, attention to detail. You know, like you mentioned, uh, Jessica Lynn's been on the show a few times. One of the things that always just completely blew me away about her, aside from her work ethic, is her attention to detail. She knows everything that happens on stage. Um, and then after the show, she can remember names and faces. Uh, it, it, it just blows my mind. Mm. Yeah, I did... Um, three international like world tours with her and she would remember these people um i and i i'm really bad with names um <laughs> so i i just i could never understand how she was able to do that but it makes a huge difference people really respect that and obviously people feel um closer to you as an artist when there is that connection yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's that old expression, God gave you two ears and one mouth, which do you think he intended you to use more? So when you are listening and you're absorbing what someone's name is, or there was someone that I used to work for in a past life, as they say, who taught me the lesson that you find out what people's interests are. And all of a sudden, the next time you see that person, you say, so have you been out sailing recently? And the person just thinks the world of you because you remember the fact that they like sailing. And that's just a sign of being a good listener. Yeah, it's it's huge. And um, it will pay off, so to speak. But it's also, it's just a, a good way to live, to you know, be more interested in what other people are doing. <laughs> yeah. Just 
connecting the dots of sort of what we were talking about of having the courage to, you know, go out on the limb and ask or advocate for yourself. It's also important to know like when that's appropriate Mm -hmm. and how to do it with tact and, you know, because you, I feel like you see a lot of people just kind of, asking for things that maybe they shouldn't be and it definitely turns people off at times when you want to be winning them over instead you know yeah absolutely i'm picturing as you're saying that fiona i'm picturing an artist that's doing a meet and greet and an artist walks up to them and says hey can i open for you i'm an independent artist and i've done this and i've it's like this is a meet and greet this isn't the time for that yeah. we're going to something like the nam show and you walk up to someone's booth and the first thing you do is say hey do you do any endorsements for artists it's like oh nice to meet you my name is bruce how are you <laughs> yeah yeah brian a couple times exactly. i know i have mentioned music box vintage share with the audience all about that yeah, well, so I have always been a huge just kind of gear geek and I I just I love collecting stuff and that kind of just that goes with like whatever I'm working on. So when I was uh working at a guitar shop, I you know, collected guitars and guitar parts and amps and stuff and having this experience and being at a studio where there's a lot of space, I found myself collecting drums like I've never collected before. Mm. And I quickly realized that I had too many drums (laughs) and (laughs) that I really enjoyed the, like the hunt and finding them and like getting a really good deal. So I, I started flipping them and I, I started buying the stuff, fixing it, I have a technical background, so I really I enjoy taking these things apart, figuring out how they work, and then putting them back together after a good cleaning or if there's any repairs. So I have started another side hustle, Music Box Vintage, where I am posting some of these interesting vintage pieces that I've found and uh, have collected mostly over the past year. Um, and they're available for purchase. I actually, I, um, I woke up this morning to, uh, a couple, uh, inquiries about stuff. So it looks like some drums are going to be shipping out across the country in the next couple of days. So this is entirely virtual. This is not a, a brick and mortar location that people can visit. Yes. So you can come pick up, uh, here, but I am currently operating virtually, I'm storing a lot of the stuff at the studio. Okay. Um, but the shop is on Instagram. Uh, you'll see all of the inventory there. Okay. With some uh, pictures and descriptions. Okay. Yeah, I just had a guy who actually drove up from uh, North Carolina. Wow. To pick up a drum. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it was cool to have that interaction. But talking about things being virtual makes me think of the pandemic, and I know we were talking about this earlier, so what I'm about to ask, I probably should have done it then, but because you were saying that it's primarily online at this point, 
it, it sounds to me like the two of you fared pretty well, all things considered, during the pandemic. Was that the case? How have you both done in, in coming through what I call the coronavirus era? Um, yeah, I think, you know, looking at it objectively, we we really can't complain. Um, we were able to find opportunity in such a, a tragedy and it feels good to have been able to continue doing what we love doing in some capacity um, and then you know to actually go past that and to kind of dive into some new things that maybe we didn't have the the time or the uh it just wasn't just wasn't on your radar until until yeah it just wasn't on the radar also it's just it's you know it was one of those dream scenarios where it's like oh man like i wish i was a musician back in the 70s where you know record deals would get you a few weeks in the studio Mm. and you know that it just it doesn't exist nowadays. There's no artist development. So to have access to so much studio time and to really kind of develop in a studio setting was a really special experience. And then to go and to, you know, expand our, our networks with kind of the, the studios network uh, was also very special. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that um, we've been incredibly lucky, and sometimes I even feel guilty about it because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> because I know it's a really it's really been a rough go for a lot of people, and um, I do think I love that you say you're a glass half full kind of guy because I think there's a real um, that's like a tool, you know what I mean, like it's not only that that's like a nice perspective to have, but it's something that unlocks doors that opens you up to things that some other people wouldn't see. You know what I mean? Like just creating opportunities out of things changing. Cause to me, like change is good. You know, obviously not every change is good. Some bad things happen in life. That's a fact of life. But like, I don't like things being stagnant. So I kind of thrive on the ability to adapt, or at least I hope to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Fiona, let's move on and have you talk about your songwriting. Songwriting is something I have been thinking about a lot more lately um, since I haven't been performing. And... um, you know, I've always written my own songs, but I've been listening to other podcasts about songwriting and I've been sort of analyzing, thinking about songs broken down into structure and melody and storytelling and just like what is the difference of different genres and, you know, like uh, folk and country is kind of famous for being uh, very like storyteller like and I think there's something really cool about that um, and just kind of drawing from different inspirations so I don't have like a one formula kind of thing <laughs> but I've been trying to just 
sort of open up more, I guess, and be more um, inspired by different things. And uh, I guess any a tip for anyone out there who's just starting songwriting is like, I just sit down sometimes and look at it like an exercise. Like maybe I have one line that I wrote down. I like to have a lot of different like little notebooks and I just write things down as they come. Or sometimes I'll flip through a book and a line will pop out or a word even, and I'll write it down. Um, So I think just being open to different inspiration is helpful. And then I use like rhyme zone or whatever, any kind of like rhyming dictionary and thesaurus and stuff like that is really helpful. And just to be thinking about words and phrases and, you know, at the end of the day, a songwriter is a writer, you know, you got to be thinking about the words you're saying. Well, and I love that you mentioned kind of the step back that you took and said, okay, let me listen to some podcasts. Let me kind of listen to some songs and see if there's something that I can do differently, meaning that sometimes you can say to someone, what is your songwriting process? And boom, out pops the answer because, oh, they know what their songwriting process is and it's kind of (laughs) regimented as opposed to, well, I usually write myself and, you know, I'll discipline myself now. And then, like you said, even if I just sit down and write one line, but to take a step back and say, hey, there's always room to learn something. I know that I was recently listening to a song myself just in the last few days. And as I was listening to it, it just hit me right away that, wow, they really got to the hook really fast in this song. Mm. And so when you're listening with that kind of ear, it does kind of put your antenna up to, okay, what was the songwriter thinking that they chose to structure the song that way? And so I love that you're saying that that's kind of the analytics that you're doing on, on some of the lessons that you're learning or the songs that you're listening to so that you can kind of still do your own thing, but say, I'm going to pull something from over here that I learned and some from over here that I heard, and it's just going to benefit you in the long run. Absolutely. And, you know, it's cool if you have a style, like, that's great. It's not to say that you have to do everything, but, um, you know, at the same time, I don't think that there's one formula that makes a great song and I think that that's maybe a misconception right like that there's like this formula for a pop hit or whatever and it's like a great song is just a song that you have an emotional connection to that moves you in some way and sometimes that's the simplest thing it could be like a one-liner that just gets repeated and sometimes it's you know, like a Bob Dylan whole, like really long, intricate poem or something like that and and everything in between. But just to know that it doesn't have to be one way, you know, and it's really about like what's the feeling you're going for. Yeah, I love that you said all that because there is this song structure that's out there that you need to kind of know about, but it doesn't mean that it absolutely positively has to fit that formula. I had a client 
who wrote a song one time. She wasn't really all that happy with the bridge, and lo and behold, she would start performing the song after that and just left the bridge out altogether. And I said, well, I know you were going to kind of maybe think about rewriting that. Is that kind of what you're thinking? And she said, no. She said, I'm just done. I'm just going to leave the bridge out altogether. And that's the kind of the flexibility that you're referring to, Fiona, is that you can do something like that. If you're going to leave the bridge out, you leave the bridge out. And if the song touches someone and, and it moves them in a certain way, then who cares that there was no bridge or, or whatever you did with it? That's, right. that's somebody, you know, who goes by the book might tell you, you shouldn't have done that. You really should have X, Y, Z. If if the song works and you as the, the writer and the artist are happy with it and you know that it's making an impact on audiences, then you're done and move on and write the next one. Definitely. Yeah. Before we close, I do want to give you both a chance to talk about gear. Fiona, I know you've got a few endorsements, and Brian, I think you have at least one. Plus, I'm sure a lot of musicians out there are interested to hear what you both play. Sure, yeah. Brian's much uh, <laughs> yeah. he's much more knowledgeable than I am about gear. I am a very, like old school simplistic um i play usually i just play my reverend electric guitar which i love because it's pretty lightweight um which i'm a very small petite person so that's important for me like i can't really mess with a Les paul or something like that it just doesn't work for my body size (laughs) but yeah i love my guitar i usually we'll have like one distortion pedal or something like I'm like super simple I love just a nice analog old school tube amp my guitar and that's it (laughs) but um but I do I also am endorsed by um Luna guitars which I used to play a lot more ukulele and they give me a gorgeous ukulele which um that's also actually a, a fun thing for songwriting is like Sometimes just switching the instrument can really bring out new things that, like, I write differently on a ukulele than I would on a guitar, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with piano. So but I'll let Brian talk about his, his gear. Yeah, so I actually, I have a lot of endorsements. I'm currently with uh, Remo for drum heads. I play Vader drumsticks. Uh, I use RCI Starlight drums. I work with Klotz Cables, Tascam, Simpad, Snare Weight. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Uh, there's a lot more. Um, I'll tell you what. I love that you're making me look bad in the fact that I said I think you have at least one because it's great that you have so many. That's awesome. That's that's great to hear. I, I, well, love, I love being wrong in, in this scenario. Well, you weren't wrong. I do have at least one. <laughs> um, what a guy. What a guy. Yeah. So it, it's, I, again, like I'm just, I'm super into the gear. I remember the first time I went to a NAM show, which was with Jessica Lynn. I, I just had a field day going around <laughs> and like it was a networking party and I, I must've left that NAM show with, at least probably four endorsements. Wow. Um, and then in the in the months after that, with all the follow-ups, I fleshed it out more. But uh, as a kind of tip for anyone out there that's looking into endorsements, one is just 
if you are passionate about what you're doing and about what you're using to do it with, just keep using that stuff because artist relations people love to hear how you've been using their product for years and years mm. and swear by it. And, you know, they love hearing why you prefer their product to someone else's. Um, and the loyalty, because when you are endorsing a product, you're doing that hopefully because you really do love that product. I know that there are some much higher level endorsements where a company will reach out to an artist and offer to, to uh, pay them, you know? Sure. So there, there's a whole rainbow of endorsements and different levels. Yeah. And I'll say too, like, I don't say that, I'm like a Fender or Gibson artist, but I do work with those companies on different levels. Like, and Supro Amps has always supplied amps for my tours and uh, Fender supplied our amps for when we were at those San Francisco shows with Gary and Gibson um, reps Guy Fumarelli, my guitarist, and has been super generous with lending us guitars and you know, there, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to work with companies. And um, it's nice to be just involved with people who love music and love instruments, you know. I, I also work with a company called Thumbsang, which uh, they've been making this really cool, innovative uh, shaker that you can play while you're playing with two drumsticks. Um, and then I think me and Fiona both work with Telefunken. Uh, microphone manufacturer okay okay well we're going to close today with another one of fiona's songs one called dark blue before i let you both go though fiona tell the audience all about this song please sure so dark blue was the first single i released off of my latest ep which is called hostage of love and um this song kind of gives a little nod to my love of the 1960s and um it's just a fun it's it's like a fun song but it's also um you know a little bit of song about heartbreak and you know dark blue is my way of talking about sort of being in a sea of emotion and overwhelmed and wanting wanting a little bit of a lifeline <laughs> to get out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fiona and Brian, this has been a lot of fun, and I'm really glad that we were able to pull this off. So thank you both for making time to be on Now Hear This Entertainment. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's been great. Absolutely, absolutely. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, producer, and guitar player Fiona Silver and drummer and educator Brian Duke. Do visit Fiona's official website at fionasilver.com, which I will put a link to on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land there, be sure to also engage with her on social media using the links you'll see on fionasilver.com. She is on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Remember that you can follow her on Spotify, too, but please don't just stream her music. Support Fiona by purchasing her music from iTunes or Bandcamp, both of which you will find links for on her website. 
Brian's official Instagram account is at Brian Duke Music. I will have a link for that too on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Remember that once you go to his Instagram, you will also see a link in his bio for the Instagram account for Music Box Vintage, which you heard him talking about. Plus, you can see Fiona and Brian performing together in the video from the Save the Scene NYC live stream on Facebook. I will put a link to that on the show page for this episode as well at nhte.net. What can I help you with? As I said earlier, if you or someone you know has got questions, you or they need help with your or their music career or even with podcasting, I do offer private one-on-one video consultations. As I mentioned earlier, my company, Now Hear This Incorporated, has been working with artists on their music careers for over 15 years. And of course, I've been doing this podcast every week for more than seven years now. My current clients range from Los Angeles to Las Vegas to here in Florida and points in between. Go to nowhearthis.biz, it's H-E-A-R, nowhearthis.biz, read about the two newest clients and look for the article titled Video Consultations Now Available, and then use the link in there to get a personal session scheduled with me. For now, that will do it for episode 375. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Fiona Silver. This is the one she just talked about called Dark Blue. Dark Blue drags me under, baby, and I'm caught in the tide.